0: And today we come to Mark chapter 16. Let me read it to us. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. This is the word of the Lord. Come, let us pray. Lord, as we hear your word, your command, help us to honor it. Help us to obey it. Send your Holy Spirit to reveal your powerful and deep truths to our lives. Help us importantly not to be just hearers of your word, but doers. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now have you ever tried to mail a letter without a stamp? Have you ever tried it? Now in Singapore, apparently, that if you try to mail a letter without a stamp, they will still send it through, except that the recipient will have to pay the fines. Okay, uh, and then uh, other penalties and stuff like that. But generally, let's go with this illustration. If you try to send a letter without a stamp, I think we're not very hopeful, in general, that this letter will get through. So what's really important, however, is the content inside this letter, right? What we really want to communicate is it's written in this letter that we want to mail it out. However, without that stamp, this letter is unlikely to reach its destination, In the same way, when we approach Jesus' last command here, we must accurately discern between the content of the letter and the stamp. So let me state here at the very start that the content of the letter is the good news. Some people call it gospel, but I prefer the Greek uh, literal translation of the Greek, which is good news. I'll explain why later on. And the signs that accompany us as believers is the stamp. So the important part is the content, the good news, which we declare, and the signs that follow us is the stamp. It is very important that we understand this distinction, but also see the value of both the letter as well as the stamp. Can this letter be uh, delivered by hand? Of course, you can do it, right? You can drive over and pass this letter by yourself. And so in some cases, the preaching of the good news is possible without the accompanying signs. But there are many occasions in which the, the letter can only reach its destination with a stamp, especially if you are mailing to a place very far away. So the point that Jesus is making here is very simple. He tells us, preach the good news. Preach the good news, which is the content of the letter. But at the same time, he tells us, don't forget to put the stamp, which is uh, the signs, the five signs that accompany us as we preach the gospel. And for many people living in Asia and Africa, for example, this demonstration of signs and wonders is still very, very necessary, very real and relevant. Now that I've set the stage, let's go on to explain a bit more of what this sermon is about. Our passage today begins similar to the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus rebukes his disciple for their failure to believe that Jesus has risen again. You know, most people, I think, we wouldn't blame the disciples for not believing that Jesus rose from the dead. After all, how many of us here have seen someone rise from the dead? Uh, raise your hands. <laughs> Anybody? No, right? We have not seen anyone rise from the dead. Maybe if you stay in Africa, you might have possibly seen some. And so, you know, we are talking about someone who has died for three days. Jesus crucified, dead for three days. So we may be very sympathetic to the disciples who think, ah, it's very, I mean, you know, we sympathize with them. It's hard to believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. But the disciples had two things against them. Number one, they had seen Lazarus rise from the dead. And Lazarus was dead for? Four days. Not just three days, but four days. And so they had actually witnessed for themselves that it's possible for someone to rise from the dead. And secondly, they had something against them. Jesus had told them repeatedly that he would die and be raised again. And that's why Jesus scolded the disciples so harshly. Because they had seen for themselves someone come back from the dead, and yet they did not believe. He had told them many times that he would come back from the dead, and yet they did not believe. But strangely, despite this rebuke, Jesus issues a command, a world-changing command, I would say. It's also found in Matthew's Gospel, but stated differently here in Mark's Gospel. As you go, preach the good news to all creation. Now, there's a side point here, and it's an important point for us to remember. If Jesus gave this command that is world-changing to his stubborn disciples who refuse to believe, I think all of us have no excuse as well. If we see ourselves as Jesus' disciples, we need to recognize this is Jesus' command to us. And if he gave it to some of the stubbornest people, stubborn, most stubborn people, surely it applies to us too. And here many people misunderstand Jesus' command. We think it's the command, the imperative is in the word go. Go and preach the good news. But actually in the Greek, both in Matthew's account as well as Mark's account, the word go is in the participle, which means, as you go, as you go, wherever you go. And then comes the command. In Matthew's Gospel, it's disciple the nations. As you go, disciples the, disciple the nations. And Mark's Gospel, as you go, preach the good news. So here's the first thing we learn. Jesus is not expecting us to go away from our work, from our families. No. Jesus is saying, as you go, declare the good news. Where are you going after service today? Those at the hub here, probably eat somewhere in Amokyo Hub or go marketing, right? Where are you going tomorrow? Work, school, army camp. Where are you going next week? Holiday, work trip, whatever it is. And Jesus says, wherever you go, preach the gospel. The word preach in the Greek also means proclaim. And so it's not just a job for us pastors or pastoral team members. It's a work, it's an assignment given to all of us. As you go, wherever you are going, declare the good news. Let's examine these words, good news. Many people think that proclaiming the gospel is very complicated. You don't know what to share You don't know what are the gospel truths. That's why I got our local preacher, Calvin, to try to introduce you some ways in which you can be equipped with the gospel truths. For example, four spiritual laws. It begins with truth number one, God made the world. Number two, sin came into the world. Number three, Jesus came to die for our sins. And number four, believe in him, so and so forth. Those are the four spiritual laws. These are essential gospel truths, and they are 100% true. But what we want to declare are not the gospel truths even though they are so important, but simply good news. And that is why I have kept to the literal Greek translation here, good news. What is news? News is defined as something that is newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent events. News is defined as newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or upcoming events, so so, so and so forth. It's not just confined to traditional forms of media like newspaper, but now also social media. Take for example, last Sunday, uh, my wife Valerie received news that her cousin is getting married at the end of October. That's news, right? And it's good news because her cousin is getting married. But it's not going to be published in the Straits Times because people get married all the time. But still, it is news and good news, but it's only relevant for my side of the family. But what we have here, Jesus' resurrection, that good news is relevant for the whole world. This news has impact for the entire world. That is the fundamental understanding of good news, and Jesus asks his disciples to do. They are simply to go wherever they may be going, wherever you are going, to declare this simple piece of good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. News at its most fundamental level must be true, otherwise we call it fake news, right News at its basic level must be true. The protest in Hong Kong is news, but bad news. most of what we read in the newspapers bad news. but here Jesus is commanding us to tell the world a very simple piece of good news that he has risen from the dead. Don't make it too complicated. That is the good news. We are simply to declare wherever we go. Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, let's try to imagine this scenario. Imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, writing letters to Joseph, her husband, who is somewhere else, assuming he's still alive. And in those letters, she frequently writes about what's happening in Jesus' life. Wow, he fed the 5,000... This week, he walked on water, so and so forth. So she updates Joseph about what's happening in their son's life. And one day, Joseph receives the bad news that their son has been crucified. Joseph is devastated. Mary was devastated writing the letter. Unknown to Joseph, three days later, Mary witnesses her son's resurrection. It's good news, right? Now, so Mary writes this news, tries to send it out. Unfortunately, she forgets to put the stamp. How would Joseph feel? Joseph, remember, has not received that piece of good news. And so how is he feeling? He's still feeling devastated because the last news he has heard is that Jesus, his son, has died. So good news, no matter how good it is, if it's not delivered, it's useless. Good news, no matter how good it is, unless it is delivered, it is useless. So we have this good news. We live in a very depressing world. All around us, wherever we look, things are on a decline. Economies in a bad shape. Climate change is getting worse. Even Singapore is feeling the heat and we are preparing for the worst. In the personal arenas, we see divorces, death, declining mental health. We hear bad news all the time. It surrounds us. But against this decaying and declining world, God has done something incredible, something against the grain. And that is to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. Don't overlook this very simple fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. And that is the good news we are declaring to the world. And many of them have not even heard of this simple good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. It tells us that what is deep impossible, which is death, that will reign, right, has now been overcome. And if that is the worst situation that faces humanity, which is death, and God has overcome death, it tells us that nothing is impossible with God. We have seen economies recover after a downturn, so maybe we are not so hopeless. We have seen how steps can be taken to mitigate climate change. There is still time to act. It's not entirely hopeless, and we have even seen people healed from broken relationships, terminal illnesses. But how many of us have seen someone resurrected from the dead? And I'm not talking about some vision or apparition here. but talking about a resurrection in the physical flesh. You know, that's why Jesus can tell Thomas, come and touch for yourself to see that I'm real. We Christians have been entrusted with the greatest world-changing news ever. That Jesus has been risen from the dead. And with that, the hope that every bad situation can find its purpose and meaning in God, can be redeemed by God. That is the good news we are all to proclaim. Is that good news? It must be good news. So wherever we go, we have to proclaim this simple piece of good news. Jesus is risen from the dead. Okay, turn to your neighbor now and say, Jesus is risen from the dead. I cannot hear the conviction, Jesus is risen from the dead. Yes. <laughs> Don't make preaching of the gospel or the good news complicated. We are simply to tell people that Jesus has risen from the dead. It's a very simple piece of good news. Just like now, for example, i give you another illustration. But it's true. A&W has returned to Amokyo Hub. <laughs> right? It's true, it's completely true. Now, if you don't believe me, then you will not take any action. You will think, ah, yeah, you're just bluffing me, I still have to go to Malaysia to take my ANW. You make all this effort just to eat at ANW in Malaysia or at Changi Airport. But if you believe this good news, what will you do? Straight away after service, or maybe some of you now already leaving, don't do that, you go down and you find the ANW. You see, if you know a piece of news and you believe it to be true, you will naturally live it out. I don't have to force you. I'm not paid by A and W by the way. But if you really believe a piece of news, you will naturally change your life or take action to conform your behavior to be in line congruent with the truth. This is taken for granted. If you believe, for example, there's water shortage, what will you do? Save water. It's the natural thing. Whether you believe a piece of news or not will determine your behaviour. And so we don't really have to force people. Why don't you believe the four gospel truths? No. We simply declare to them, this is the good news. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Whether they believe it or not, is entirely up to them. Take another example. If we believe the research, the news, that sugar is the leading cause of cancer what will you do? You will reduce your sugar intake. Instead of, uh, you order siu tai. You understand? If you believe something to be true, your life will change in accordance to that piece of news. And so same for us. When Jesus says, those who believe in Him and is baptized, they shall be saved. Don't miss the point here. Jesus is not saying that baptism saves us. Jesus is simply saying, if you truly believe that I have risen from the dead, then put your faith into action by getting baptized. That's as simple as it is. So we're not here to argue whether baptism saves us or not. We know very clearly it is faith that saves us. How do I know that you have faith or I have faith? Baptism is a sign that we have faith. Okay, so that's what Jesus is saying here. We don't complicate the matters. But if you do not believe, Jesus says, then you will stand condemned. Coming back to the a illustration, if I tell you this, those uh, who drink the A&W root beer float shall be blessed. <laughs> but those who don't believe shall miss out. Right? For those of you who love A&W, agree with me. Why? Because it's just a simple piece of news. A.N.W. has returned to Amokyo Those who drink the root beer float shall be blessed. Those who do not drink of it shall lose out. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here about the good news. Declare the good news. Jesus has risen from the dead. If you believe, you will be baptized. You will drink the root beer float. If you don't believe, you will lose out. You will be condemned. That's very simple. We don't have to complicate the matter. So what we really need to do is to declare that piece of good news. A good book I want to recommend to you by N.T. Wright New Testament scholar, Simply Good News. If you believe me that this is a good book, what will you do? Buy it or borrow it just to read it, right? Or if you don't believe me, you will just leave it alone. This is true for all of life. If you believe something to be true, your life will conform to it. I now come to the final part of Mark's Gospel. And Jesus says, These signs will follow or accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents and remove them, they will drink poison, it will not hurt them, and finally they will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will get well. Remember at the start of this sermon, I spoke about the letter and the stamp. The content of the letter is good news. Jesus has risen from the dead. The stamp represents the five signs that accompany the sending forth of this message. Can the letter be sent without a stamp? Yes, by hand. Yes, the person may still receive it but pay a price. But generally, letters are sent with a stamp. And that's exactly how we should understand the proclamation of the good news. When we go, wherever we go, we tell people, Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has risen from the dead. And inevitably, people will ask us, Hey, how do you know Jesus has risen from the dead? Right? If this is news, how do you know that this is real news and not fake news? Jesus died and rose 2,000 years ago. So it's hard to prove something exactly 2,000 years ago. But there are two basic ways to answer this question. How do we know that Jesus has risen from the dead? Number one, you can take the approach of apologetics. To reason out. To argue. You may quote some non-Christian historians who also verify that Jesus has risen from the dead. But there is a second method to demonstrate that Jesus is indeed risen. And these are the five signs that accompany us as we declare the good news. Both ways are legitimate. It really depends on the person you're talking to. And sometimes you may want to use one or both, depending on the context. But I want to say here, I'm focused on my attention only on the five signs. This is not a apologetics forum. You can attend it with Pastor Adrian. But the five signs here are not exhaustive, nor are they definitive. If you don't have these five signs, it does not mean that you're not a believer. Okay? But these five signs basically accompany us when we proclaim the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. That's how we should approach it. If you really consider yourself a believer, first of all, proclaim the good news. Number two, get baptized. And number three, when you proclaim the good news, you can expect Jesus to back you up with his spiritual authority and his spiritual power. And Jesus uses a very important clause here. He says, In my name. You cannot miss this out. Underline it if you're still using a hard copy Bible. Or you can highlight it in your, soft, in your phones. In my name. That is the important clause Without Jesus, we can do nothing. And here Jesus says, in my name, you can cast out demons. Let me tell you now a ghost story. It's not very often you hear a preacher tell you a ghost story, but I'm going to do it anyway. Years ago, when I was just a young Christian, probably 16, 17 years old, one night as I was laying on my bed trying to sleep, I suddenly heard footsteps walking into my room. I sleep with my door open, and the footsteps were coming in. My eyes were closed, but I, I heard the footsteps, and worse, I felt an EV presence. My hair was standing. And the night was particularly cold, even before this encounter, so I had already closed the windows, so I switched off the fan, and I was under my blanket. But I could hear the footsteps coming nearer and nearer and nearer. I was lying on my side facing the door, but I did not dare to open my eyes. Right? It came nearer and nearer until it stopped right in front of my face. I still did not dare to open my eyes, but I could feel it. And then I felt three cold breaths on my face. You try to blow on your hand now, it's warm. Right? But I felt very cold air blown on my face. I knew by logic and common sense that it's not my mother. My mother never hugs me or tucks me into bed. I was already 60, 70 years old. It can never be my brothers. We fight all the time. They will not do this. And so I knew, logically, it had to be, uh, cannot be my family members, and I could feel the eerie presence. The windows, like I said, were closed, the fan was off. I knew, therefore, that it was only one conclusion, something of an uh, unnatural nature. So being very scared, I put the blanket over my face. Right? How many of you did open your eyes? Ooh, what will you see? I, you know I was a young man I was scared. So I started calling out the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I kid you not. Within a few seconds, suddenly that presence just disappeared. I could feel it. Wow. Then I knew I opened my eyes. The coast is clear. But from that moment on, I knew this truth. There is power in Jesus' name. There is great power in Jesus' name. Jesus is not merely a religious teacher. He is not merely a saviour who died for you, who loves you. No, Jesus is more than that. Jesus is God. Let's not forget that. Very important truth, but maybe, you know, because of our Western influence education, we tend to downplay the supernatural. But here, let's not forget that. God reminds us that He is God. There is power in Jesus' name. Since then, I have done a couple of exorcisms, several home-cleansing rituals, and in the interest of time, I will spare you the details, but I can tell you right now, as surely as the sun rises, as surely as there is ANW here in Amokyo Hub, there is no higher name than Jesus. There is no higher name than Jesus. No higher power. Jesus is God. And when Jesus speaks, the demons will flee. We come to church week after week. Sometimes, you know, we normalize our experience. We tend to think Jesus is just mild and gentle. And we forget this other side of God. That Jesus is God. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And in his name, we can cast out demons. My question to you is, do you know this Jesus? Jesus not just as a religious teacher, not just as a saviour who died for you, but Lord over all creation. True biblical faith is not just merely agreeing to the truths of the gospel, that you are a sinner and God loves you and died for you. It means truly believing the entire reality about God and the fundamental reality is that Jesus has risen from the dead. And if we can defeat death, what can he not defeat? Next, Jesus says the next sign is that we speak in new tongues. This took place on the day of Pentecost, where the hundred and twenty disciples received that gift of tongues. They began to proclaim the good news in a different language. Right. So that's uh, historical. But what we have, I want to share with you a testimony. Is something that took took place here in our time and, and area. When Bishop Emeritus Hua Yong came from our Aldersgate Convention earlier in May, just a few months ago, I had the privilege to have lunch with him, and he shared with me this amazing testimony I want to share with you this morning. Some years ago, his friend received a letter promising a scholarship from the Malaysian government to fund his studies in UK. So his Chinese he received this letter that he will get the money to, you know, pay for his studies. However, as the days drew nearer and nearer, the money never came. And so he was worried, he was desperate. Oh no, should I continue to go for studies or not? UK is very expensive for Malaysian, you know. You think of the exchange rate, very tough. And so he wanted to know if it is indeed God's will. And he came across, uh, someone told him that there was this prayerful lady, elderly lady, who lives in the remote village in the middle of Borneo, in the forest of Borneo, There was revival happening. We didn't hear it because the journalists didn't think it was newsworthy, but revival had broken out in the Borneo forest. And there was this elderly lady who had become a prophetess. This elderly lady could only speak her native uh, village language and Bahasa, two languages. But this friend, when he heard about her, he went over just to ask for God's will through her. And when he came to her, before he could ask his question, guess what the lady said? This lady spoke in tongues because she had no grasp of the Mandarin language at all. But being filled by the Holy Spirit, she declared in tongues a word that was relevant for the man. Bishop Hua Yong, if you do not know, is not someone who abandons his mind. He is a real scholar. And so, while it was his friend's testimony, He took it upon himself to go and find this elderly lady. And he did. He found her. And that's why he shared with me that this is true story, not fake news. So here, even in our time, we see God giving people that miraculous gift of tongues to accompany the declaration of the good news that Jesus is alive. And sure enough, God provided the means. This man went by faith. God provided for him he finished his education. Jesus is alive. He continues to reign in our midst. The next two signs, removal of serpents and drinking of poison, are to be understood in their proper context, and that's the context of the proclamation of the good news. It should not be taken as a litmus test of our faith, ah. Huh? So after this service, don't go and buy a bottle of poison and then drink to see whether you're a believer. Don't do that. Don't go and find a cobra and purposely put your hand there. Don't do that. Okay? It's in the context of the proclamation of good news. And the spiritual meaning is this. If we are proclaiming the good news of Jesus' resurrection, we don't have to be afraid of the serpent, which represents spiritual forces of evil. We don't have to be afraid of them. Neither do we, we have to be afraid of the poison, Represents human beings who try to stop us. As we declare the good news, God will back us up. Spiritual forces will be nullified. Human forces that try to stop us will not succeed. That is the promise that accompanies us as we proclaim the good news. Finally, Jesus says, When we lay hands on the sick, they will get well. I like this verse because it doesn't even say we pray for the sick. We just need to lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. Many of you are witnesses of God's healing power in our midst. This morning after 8am service, I received a testimony through WhatsApp. but I can't show it to you. I don't know how to do it technologically. But I want to show you two testimonies from our last healing service. Uh, get the AV team to help. Prepare the sound first uh, before you switch on the video. Okay. strain pain from here, all the way neck to the shoulder so just now before my husband prayed for me i actually tried to turn but now i turn there's no pain i thank god for that a lot. Uh, hi i'm jesse i'm having pain lately for coming to a month already the joint on my right leg but I have been praying for my husband, most important, because he has cancer. But Jesus knows me. He healed me just now. Praise the Lord. There is power in Jesus' name. If you notice carefully in Lucy's testimony, it's a husband who prayed for her. Not the pastor, pastoral team member. It's Jesus who heals. And then the second lady, Jessie, had the privilege to baptize her husband just a few days ago. He's still battling cancer. I do not know why the cancer has not been you know, dealt with uh, in a supernatural way. But we, at least we know he has been baptized. And that shows us his faith. Whether he's healed or not, eventually I leave it to God. But my point here, there is power in Jesus' name. Jessie was praying for her own husband. But in the end, she was healed herself. There is power in Jesus' name. You are all witnesses of this reality. How do we know Jesus is alive? Because he is alive and doing these things. Right? In our midst. So friends, what I'm proclaiming to you is a very simple good news. Jesus has risen from the dead. And you are sent, all of us are sent, to declare this simple piece of good news. Whether people believe it or not, We don't have to force it to them. If they truly believe it, their lives will conform to this piece of good news. As for us, as we proclaim it, we have the assurance that Jesus will back us up. Jesus will back us up. So to conclude, summarize uh, today's message, if you truly believe this good news that Jesus is alive, declare it, proclaim it, get baptized. And number three, as we do that, we have the assurance of faith that God will support us. God will back us up as we proclaim that good news. So you are sent. You are sent to declare this good news. May the God who is alive accompany our declaration with the signs that He has promised to us in His Word. Let me invite the worship team to come up. I know it's running a bit late, but I want to give a time, just a short time, for us to just... uh, Ask the Lord to heal us. If you're feeling unwell in any part of your body, you may want to place your hands. Let's go to God in prayer. Place your hands on the part of the body which is unwell. Maybe a cough, so you may put it on your lungs, back. Part of your body is suffering from cancer. Or if you know someone who is not feeling well in a particular area of their body, you may want to lay hands on your body as a sign that you're representing them before the Lord. And what I want us to do is very simple. I'm not going to pray for you. I want you to call up Jesus yourself. Call to Jesus yourself. There is power in Jesus' name. Jesus is alive. So Jesus invites you to come and demonstrate your goodness importantly that you are alive in our midst. You hear the prayers of your people as they call out to you, Jesus. Whether they will be here in, century, in the half or in the century, it does not matter because God, you are the king of the universe. And you are everywhere. And so Lord, you hear your people's cries. We praise you God, that you are alive. Send us forth to declare this good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Time is catching up. I uh, won't have you come out and share testimonies, but you have text me, share with me your testimonies after the service. Uh, glad to just receive them.